What is going on, everyone? And welcome to episode number eight of Bootstrap Growth. I'm your host, Ned Eric. And today, I want to do something different. I'm super pumped about today's podcast because I am actually doing a Ask Me Anything um, for growthhackers.com. And for those of you guys that don't know what Growth Hackers is, you need to check it out. It's this really cool community um, for growth-minded um, marketers, um, salespeople, founders. Um, and so they reached out to me and they were looking for someone to, to talk specifically about um, growth in like a highly regulated industry, uh, marketing in a highly regulated industry. Um, but um, people are also able to just ask a ton of questions about, you know, my opinions on, you know, adding a growth function to their business or, um, you know, marketing and sales and, you know, uh, CRO and all of these things. So um, the cool part about it is it's not like videoed. It actually is um, via like text, right? Or I guess typing is the better way to put it. And so right now I've got like 13 questions that people have asked and I'm going to answer them here live for you. And when I say live, I mean, I'm recording this at 546 the day before this is actually published. So as live as it's going to get, I'm I'm not going to edit. By the way, I don't edit these podcasts as you can tell, because like, let's be real. If I edited these podcasts, I take away a lot of the dumb stuff that I say, but Thanks for being here. Um, I made a post on LinkedIn about like people coming and checking out the podcast. And bro, like if you're a new subscriber, thank you. Um, I grew like 25 people today in subscribers. So I love you guys. You guys are the best. Thank you. Welcome. Hopefully this is a really killer episode. I had a I had a kid on, I say kid, why did I say kid? Like act like I'm like a hundred years old. I got to stop that. My wife makes fun of me because literally I am an old man. Like I, I act, I tell stories all the time of like back in my youth and I should really stop doing that. But I'm actually going to pull it up right now. I actually had an individual. Um, I'm going to mess up your name, dude, but it's Vladimir Karukis. Um, right on LinkedIn, shout out, bro. He, uh, he said that he uh, had started listening to the Chris Walker episode. Um, said it was pure gold. Obviously like that's Chris, that's not me. Um, but you know, saying it's fantastic. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks for subscribing. Dude, if you guys dig this stuff, subscribe. I'd love a review. Reviews help. And, um, that's the last time I'm going to talk about it. So, um, yeah, I'm going to get into this. Um, I'm going to just go down the list of questions that I've gotten. Um, and I'm going to answer them. So, um, hope you guys enjoy, hopefully, you know, maybe we could do this like once a month, like as a community, right? You guys just send in your questions and I'll answer them. Who knows? Um, if you guys are interested in that, um, let me know, you know, I, I have all my, I have my email down there, I have my LinkedIn, I have my Instagram. So follow DM, let me know. So, um, so actually, uh, the first question is, for those companies willing to adopt a growth methodology, would it be wiser to start with the marketing or product team or the whole company? So here's my answer. Every company should have a growth mindset, right? Like that's almost like, duh. Um, 
But I think that if you start to silo your growth team and your growth like marketing um, or the growth methodology, I think that you kind of defeat the entire purpose of growth, right? So growth is, in my opinion, um, it's the holistic, like actual coming together of your business, your marketing, your sales, your customer success, your product team. It's everyone coming together to focus on, on a customer centric to, to, to be more customer centric. So to answer this question, um, and I'm going to answer these really like quickly, if you want me to dive more into them, DM me. Like if you really like a question and you're like, yo, you didn't go deep enough. Um, let me know. But to answer this question, um, I would say the whole company needs to get behind it because your entire company needs to be focused on growth, right? Don't stop worrying so much about how many calls you made, how many emails, how many campaigns you're running. No, start focusing about revenue, right? If we're growing revenue, we're on point. Question two, what role do you think growth hacking will play in enterprises over the next five years and why is it so important these days? So I'm not the biggest fan of the word growth hacking because I don't think there are shortcuts inside of like marketing or sales. Um, but I understand the question as growth hacking. Um, I'll, I'll rephrase it this way is what is the role of growth marketing? And where I think growth marketing where it will play is I think it's the way that we're going to play. Um, I think we're going to stop worrying so much about long-term campaigns and we're going to really start focusing on creating media teams and creating news outlets for our business. Right. Um, and, and so with that being said, growth marketing is more of the trial and error marketing. I'm going to run a bunch of tests on certain things um, versus you know, regular marketing is where we're going to run like a 90 day campaign. We're going to build this entire thing around this entire, you know, message, and then we're going to bring it to public. Right. And I think that the way that the industry or the way that, that business is moving today is so much faster, right? Like every six months, shoot, every 90 days, like I'm in healthcare, right? We, we went from not using telehealth pre-COVID to literally two weeks into COVID going telehealth is being reimbursed at full, full rates of Medicare. It's being reimbursed and, and people are using it. And, and, and right. So I think growth marketing and growth hacking, right, is, is going to be norm. Um, because I think the way that we move, we move at the speed of technology and, and the way that we're moving right now, um, I think it's going to play an integral role. Um, and why do I see it that it's important? Because like I said, we, it, if you don't do multiple tests a week on certain things, you're going to be behind. Um, let's think about this from a website point of view, right? Like running, running tests on, um, on campaigns or not, I, I guess I'm, they still would be ad campaigns, but, uh, maybe headlines, testing, uh, copy, testing these things. If someone doesn't, you need to find out now if someone's not converting because you have a convoluted pricing page, right? So we need to test certain things and see those because when someone leaves your site and they have a bad experience, they're probably not coming back, right? So um, hopefully that answered the question. Um, again, like I said, if any of these I don't go deep enough into, DM me on LinkedIn. Um, question three is marketers, how how do we adapt our marketing strategy when something that we didn't expect happens to be more clear, the pandemic crisis and the movement hashtag black lives matter. 
So how do we adapt our marketing strategy? I think the word that comes to mind right off the bat is empathy. I think empathy wins the day, it wins the year, it wins marketing. You, you can't be tone deaf. How do you adapt? If, you're, if you have a growth mindset where we're, we're hitting things, you know, like we're doing three, four, five, six, ten 10 tests a week, you just adapt, right? That's the thing is understand that growth marketing and I think marketing today as it stands is very test oriented, right? We, we, move, we move quickly and the way the world works and the way it moves, we have to be able to move with that. And so for COVID, we got to move quick. We know like, right? And then with Black Lives Matter, same thing. Like you've seen the people that have come out, the businesses that have come out with their, um, you know, their statements on it. The way that you adapt is you have empathy. And if you know your clientele and the things that are going to be affected, this is the key here, is you have to know your clientele inside and out, their day-to-day, what they do, what, what their pains are, what you help with. And from there, your, your empathy can be directed in that manner. You can't just be generally empathetic. Oh, in these hard times, or well, I forget, uncertain times is what people have been saying. It's ridiculous. But if me, Ned, who sells Halos, our, 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 our new product, Aura, which is coming to market July 1st, which helps uh, intermediaries between health plans and providers, right? I know that their issue is getting members through the door, uh, patients through the door in their providers, right? So now what I can do is I can speak directly to that. Hey, I totally understand what's going on. I'm here. You know, this is what we've seen work in these other organizations that we work with. Um, Here's a couple of ideas for you. Like that's a lot better than some generic statement, right? When it comes to Black Lives Matter, I think that, again, you can't be generically empathetic. You have to be specific, and that all comes down to uh, um, understanding your ICP, understanding your clientele. So next question, how do you prove that digital marketing and growth hacking are different? I don't think you have to, right? I don't think there necessarily has to be some sort of difference um, you growth hack digitally, right? Like, um, I, I, I think that's my answer. I think growth hacking is a portion of digital marketing. They're not, I, I think they're one in the same. Um, I think the problem with the word growth hacking is people think it's shortcuts. Like digital marketing, you still have to look at your analytics. You still have to run your numbers. You still have to do those things, right? Growth hacking is digital marketing. Digital marketing is growth hacking. You guys hear my stomach? My tummy just growled. Um, and yeah, I did say tummy on a podcast. So question five, I don't know. By the way, I haven't even read these questions yet. So like this is almost cheating because I'm answering these questions before I have to type all these questions out. So you guys are awesome. Thanks for listening. In an e-health slash insure tech 
never heard of that, but I'm guessing it's like insurance tech kind of startup where people pay a subscription and have a finite number of medical consultations. What could be the aha moment or the North star metric? The moment when the client experiences the value proposition in it's full is when the, when they are using the medical consultation. But in this case, since it's health, it's kind of a reverse situation where the less the client uses the better for both the startup and the client, because it means the client is healthy. Like, uh, okay, that didn't make sense. I appreciate any suggestion on how to approach this, uh, since we want to define our growth formula, man, that's a killer question because that is, that's a, that's a weird, like usage in something like that sort of sucks because if someone's using the product, that means they're not well. Right. So man, I still think the aha moment is the usage of the app. I think it is. I think it's seeing how easy it is to connect with a physician, to then interact with that physician, to then get the diagnoses and maybe go to the pharmacy, maybe digitally, whatever. I, I don't know the, the actual product that the, that you have, but, um, Man, I, I really think the aha moment still is the usage of the app and, and using it to, uh, to increase their health, right? Um, pay a subscription, have a finite number of medical consultations. Yeah, it, it definitely still is. Like telehealth, for instance, right? Is, is, is a, it's, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I could be wrong. Um, but telehealth, the reason that it's booming right now, people are seeing how awesome it is to just be sitting on their couch and be like, doc, I've got a headache and not spend half their day, right? Um, so I still think that's the aha moment. Um, North Star metric. Um, I don't think that's a usage metric. I really don't. Because uh, like I, I wouldn't do like a daily active user or anything. Um, I think that's hard to know without knowing like what your platform is. Um, with a North Star metric, I would want to know more about um, is there a community involved, right? Do they have like, is there, are there forums inside of like the app or the website? Um, are there questions that they could be asking or, um, do they have like, do, do doctors have office hours, things like that. Right. So, um, I would have to know a little bit deeper to give you a North star metric. Um, but I think, yeah, the aha moment, a hundred percent is still usage because the, the aha moment, you want to get them f there faster and you want to get them there as frequently as possible. But in this model, that doesn't make sense. But I still think that it comes down to the ease of use. Um, so if it's easy to get to a doctor, to get to that consultation, and, and it's streamlined, I think that's still the aha moment. Question infinity, because I don't have a good memory. Maybe it's question six. It could be. What are your suggestions and advice to a beginner in the field of growth? It, suggestions and advice. Double down on what you're passionate about inside of the field of growth, right? So for me, I'm really, 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 really passionate about the actual like strategy and the analytics side of things. So for me, I truly dig into numbers and I dig into like what's working and what's not. So I, I, I spend most of my time um, really focusing on a couple of things. Um, strategies, data analysts, data analysts, 
data analytics and for me, copywriting, I love writing, right? Um, so I think that's my biggest thing is double down on what you are, uh, what you're passionate about. Um, we talk about this T-shaped marketer, right? You should have a, gen- like, like for me, I, I'm not super passionate about like ad creation, but I will be honest with you. I know, I, I can, I know enough to be dangerous and our ads drive a lot of our revenue. Um, and so I love creating ads, but I'm not necessarily like super passionate about that. What I'm passionate about is like the leadership side of things, building teams, um, building strategy, um, building tests, building the hypothesis. Like I literally sit in my room every day and I'm like, all right, what are the next 10 tests we need to do? What are the next hundred tests we need to do? Um, I love that kind of stuff. I love looking at the numbers. I love charting. I love graphing. Um, and I love writing and I love, and I, and I, I also do a podcast. Uh, I host a podcast. So I love that kind of stuff. So I double down on that for me. I want to become a better interviewer. I want to become a better, um, you know, I want to become better at, at copywriting. Right. So these are things that, um, I'm really like, I, I want to double down on. So for you, like, what are you, what are you passionate about? Like what gets you excited about growth marketing? Um, if something, you know, whatever gets you excited, like whatever just came to your head when I asked you that, that's what you should do. Um, and double down on it Buy courses, Google, YouTube, all that stuff. So, um, and that goes for anything. So I don't care if it's like you're new to growth, maybe you're new to sales, you're new to HR, you're new to customer success, like whatever you're passionate about, get really, really good at that. Right. That's the really, like the only reason I'm a VP right now is because I just doubled down on what I was like passionate about. I hated sales. I just was good at it, but I hated it. I didn't like making cold calls. I didn't like like the whole like process of it. It just wasn't for me. Um, I just happened to be really good at it. Um, but I didn't want to be unhappy the rest of my life. So what I doubled down on was marketing. I really enjoyed writing. I really enjoyed crafting emails. What I really enjoyed was when I got into the director roles of sales, leading and growing teams and doing all of these things, right? So the cool part about getting into like the the portion, like the portions that I liked were the parts that were like data, copywriting, marketing, right? That was where I really thrived. So by the time that I got this opportunity here at Halos, um, I'd already been doing that right? I'd already been marketing myself and showing results and, and doing all of that, um, you know, from, uh, from, I guess, from the sales point of view. So question seven, what are your tips to find product market fit? Do you have a favorite process? Any best practices? Yes. Talk to your ICP. That's my favorite process. Reach out to anyone you think might potentially buy from you eventually and talk to them. The end. That's my favorite process. Oh, I'll, I'll give you my favorite process. Email them and say, hey, can we meet? Any best practices? Meet with them. Talk with them. Ask them about their day-to-day. Literally know your ICP so well that you could run their business. The end. That is how you find product market fit. If you provide them like, hey, like, Basically, the, the way that you do this is that you go in and you discuss their day-to-day and then you say, hey, listen, we are coming out with a product that does X, Y, and Z. This is why we built it. This is what's going on. Here it is. Would you buy this? 
if the overwhelming majority of the answers are no, then you don't have product market fit. I think the, a lot of times people forget that you need customer development and they just start going to market. Take the time, talk to the people who you think are going to be your ICP and then go, right? And, and this again, for sales, spend, this is going to sound bad, but, and you know, if don't tell your sales managers, I told you this. And if you get fired, I'm sorry, but I think you should spend 60% of your time talking to your ICP and maybe the next 40 doing cold calls. Like I would, so this doesn't mean stop prospecting, but this means you need to spend way more time getting to know the director of marketing that you're selling to or getting to, you know, in my case, getting to know the CEO of uh, an IPA than making cold calls. So yeah, that's what I would do. Know your ICP. Um, so do, 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 I don't necessarily understand that question. So I'm going to skip it. What do you recommend for a strategy to promote a SaaS for developers, maybe a SaaS product or company? So for, I, I think that the question means like promote like a, a SaaS company and they're selling to developers. Um, what would I recommend for a strategy? Um, find out where your develop, where the developers live and, and go and talk to them there, like market to them there. Like, do are your developers on LinkedIn? Are they on, you know, G2? Are they on Facebook, Instagram? Where do they live? And then go talk to them and literally build out and then give away your best stuff for free. Like, what do you recommend for a strategy? Like, I think that you have to go to where they are, obviously, but you have to go and give away your best stuff. Like, give them ideas, become like one of them. Like, especially, I, I don't, I don't know the developer side of things. I, I, could, I guess I could technically go ask like one of our developers where, <laughs> where they spend most of their time. Um, Hopefully it's inside of our app QAing. So, uh, but anyway, um, yeah, I think that's probably without knowing much more. The strategy is go to where your your ideal client lives, and then like speak like they speak. You know, give them the tools that they need to be successful. Um, but then even a step further, give them tools that only you can provide. Right. So. What would be the best marketing technique during COVID-19 for app development business? Honestly, man, like I think the best marketing technique during COVID right now is, is just empathy. I don't think that you just can't be tone deaf, right? Like I think that we are like right now, I think we're sort of at a point where people are all COVIDed out, COVIDed out, COVIDed out, COVIDed out. Um, see, like that's the kind of stuff that I should definitely edit out, but I'm not gonna. Cause you know, Ned, um, but what would you, what would be the best marketing technique during COVID-19 people are coveted it out. God, that's such a fun word to say, say it, say it. Why aren't you saying it? You should say it. You say it. Cool. Awesome. Um, so I think right now we might be, I don't Now let me actually say this. Never market the way we marketed it marketed, good Lord, marketed pre-COVID. This, you sucked. 
marketing pre-COVID. You sucked selling pre-COVID. It took a pandemic for us to realize that. But I think the best marketing technique, this is, I'm, I'm a broken record, is speak to your audience, right? Show them exactly what you do that helps them become better. Understand this. There's no technique. There's no tactic that's going to change that the fact that when people are looking for something, they're looking to better themselves. And that's it. That literally is all that they're doing right now. When they're Googling you, they're not, or well, when they're Googling how to write a blog post, they're not looking for someone to write a blog post for them, but they will get to the point where you are the only one that they think about when they need someone to write a blog post for them. The best marketing technique, not just during COVID, not post COVID, not pre COVID, not anything. When we stop talking about COVID, let me tell you this. It is literally to talk directly to your ICP and give them all your best stuff away for free. That's, that's, that's what it is. Um, yeah, I, I mean, realistically, let me get like tactical here. Facebook ads for us work really well. We get job title specific. Um, I go in there and monthly I pull a new study um, and we write like a quick synopsis on it and we put some money behind it on Facebook directly to medical directors. Um, another marketing technique that we use is podcasts. We do influencers type marketing there. Um, and that's again, thought leadership type stuff. All of our blogs really like, we literally talk exactly to what these people do and what they need. Um, so yeah, the best marketing technique is literally give, Give your people, let people know that you know what you're talking about. I think that's really the, the best way to put it. What steps should be taken to maximize website performance and build brand repu reputation <sighs> during COVID time? For those of you guys that just started listening to the podcast, I yawn at least once a podcast. So again, you're welcome. What steps should be taken to maximize website performance and brand, build brand reputation during quarantine time? Give your best stuff away for free. Um, no, I think that this is, I mean, realistically, it really is. It's, it's don't stop marketing. You need to be marketing to the people that are going to be looking at you. Budgets are coming back, right? People are going to start buying again. If you were the person giving them all the tips and tactics to get past, get through COVID, when they come out on the other side, you're going to be the only one that they think about. So, you know, website performance, I'm guessing you're not asking like speed and performance. So, um, all websites should be your best salesperson, right? So that's a big thing. Building brand reputation is, so the way that I, I, I think about websites is every single page on your website should have only one action they want the person to take. What is the one action your homepage is looking for them to take? Like for us, our homepage is literally so that someone goes to a product page. Our product page, our goal is for someone to go is for someone to book a demo, right? Pricing page again, demo. Um, blog is for them to dig deep into, you know, our, our actual, um, 
our actual funnel, right? Um, so yeah, I think maximize website performance is, is figure out what is the one goal you have for each web web page. Um, building brand reputation is simple. It doesn't matter if it's during quarantine time or not. Um, building brand reputation is being the smartest kid on the block, giving people the best value, giving them, you know, offering them what other people aren't. Second yawn. Do you have any SEO tips that are specific to the medical and healthcare industry? Um, no, not like medical and healthcare. I'm not going to lie. I'm not an SEO expert. Um, we do some SEO type stuff. Um, but I don't necessarily think that. So healthcare is a fairly Google, Google heavy industry. Um, people are Googling. Um, but I think the biggest SEO tip is get on to other people's sites. That's the biggest thing. Get, get links back to your stuff, get on other people's site, like a modern healthcare, um, healthcare innovation, um, hymns, hymns is a big one in medicine and healthcare. Um, bah, 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 bah. I'm, I'm blanking on some, but yeah, I think the best tips that I have is, is to get where your, your audience is, which in healthcare and medicine are the third party publications. Ooh, I can't answer that question because it's way too specific and I've never actually done that. What should startups do in a face of economic decline? That's a killer question. Man, I go back to episode one on this podcast. I think that's what startups should do. Go back to episode one and listen to episodes one through like four. I think that's what you need to do. You need to reevaluate throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall, hoping it sticks. Um, and I think you need to actually like reevaluate your ICP and start honing in on exactly who you need to market to. Y'all three, we're on a roll, man. Um, the reason I say this is because we talk like economic decline, understand that if you have something that's extremely valuable to a company, they're going to buy it. Um, so you have to really understand who you're marketing to and why they should spend their last, you know, $10,000 with you. Um, I'd also say don't stop marketing. Yeah. Put a, put your CEO's face everywhere, put them on podcasts, start a podcast, be a thought leader, um, give away your best stuff for free, right? Like those are all integral parts to just being a brand in 2020. Um, so yeah, that's, it doesn't matter if it's really in the face of economic decline or not. Um, I would say that that's what you need to do. A hundred percent is reevaluate and oh my gosh what is this number four we're on a roll here let's go who's gonna get number five who's gonna get number five um yeah man like it, it, you've got to you, you double down on exactly who your target audience is everyone can't use your stuff it, you're you're not everyone you're not everything to everyone right so um double down on that and uh and then get your ceo or someone that's a face of the company out there um giving away the best stuff for free.
Hey, Ned, thanks for doing this. No, thank you. Since Halos is a healthcare technology startup and you've previously worked at other players in different industry, I'd love to hear your take about the difference of growth teams operations in highly regulated industry versus others. Um, I think the biggest thing obviously is when you're in highly regulated industries, there's things that you can say and things that you can't, right? So for me, like Halos, um, I'm, it's not necessarily super regulated. Obviously I can't say like, oh, we're going to, you know, help you cure cancer. Um, but I've also marketed in health plans for health plans. That's actually part of my, my gig as well. We actually run, um, a health plan out of Georgia as well as a couple of different intermediaries, um, one in Georgia and then one, two here in Florida. Um, and I run marketing for them as well. Um, and there are literally things that you can and cannot say. And so your tests in growth um, become a little bit more um, specific to the policies, right? Um, so like you, like for instance, like when it comes to a health plan, I can't say like number one health plan in all of Florida like that. It's just not allowed, right? Um, there's no click baity type stuff that you're allowed to do there. Um, so that's the big thing that that's honestly the biggest thing is when you get into a highly regulated industry, um, there are just things you can't say and things you can say. Um, but it's all still marketing, right? Like if we really think about this for a second, like when it comes down to marketing, when it comes down to sales, when it comes down to anything realistically, um, there's still desires of people, right? Like when I'm, when I'm marketing to, um, you know, the health plan people, right? They're still like, um, what's the book called? Is it cash advertising? Let me actually look this up. I'm going to look this up, but there's still desires that people want. Yeah. It's cash advertising. So, um, eight, so it's eight primary desires that we're biologically programmed to have, right? Survival and enjoyment of life, enjoyment of food and beverages, freedom from fear, pain, and danger, sexual companionship, comfortable living conditions, to be superior, winning, keeping up with the Joneses, care and protection of loved ones and social approval. So although I can't say I'm the best, there are still things that, you know, these people want. They want better care. They want more efficient, you know, apps, whatever it may be, whether you're regulated or not, you still need to speak to the desire first and the copy second, right? So I think that when it comes down to it, if you're speaking about yourself, being in a highly regulated industry can be tough. But if you're really focused on the needs and the desires of the person that the people that are, um, that you're, that you're searching for or that are your ideal clients, um, yeah, I think that it's not a ton different. You just like it, it, they're just different like lines you have to stay within, right? Like I can't curse in the health plan. I mean, I guess I, I, I shouldn't curse in Halos marketing either, but if it happens, it happens, right? So, um, yeah, and like in health plans, like I can't like start a podcast promoting the health plan. I don't think. I think that's one of the rules. Whatever. So aside from that, as a growth team, are you also running experiments inside the product, activation, growth lever? And how do you ensure that you move fast but don't break things? Dude, we're always running experiments inside the product. Um, 
honestly, how do we know that we, how do we move fast? Honestly, man, that's a question for my dev guys. Um, we have broken things. I think that's probably the best way to put it. How do we, how do we break fewer things? Um, a lot of our activation growth lever tests are smaller. I think that's the biggest thing, right? So we don't have a freemium model. Um, so there really isn't necessarily anything like big to test in that, in that scenario. But um, a lot of the things are smaller. So like colors, um, adding graphs, right? Adding uh, different like arrows in certain places, things like that. Um, where they don't take a ton. Um, what I can tell you is this, we do not test our visuals on our app. And I will tell you this because our whole, I see like our whole pitch is execute on your data more efficiently, right? And if, guess what? If your data doesn't pull, then well, uh, we suck, right? So we actually have a whole nother development side of things that we do tests and things like that, um, where we will, we actually have a cohort. It was actually one of our first cohort of, um, of clients that we have asked them if we can run tests on their stuff as well. Um, so basically they say, Hey, if something doesn't pull, they can contact our dev team directly and our dev team can say, Hey, we just pushed this. And basically our dev team goes, Hey, we, you know, they'll fix it right away. So, um, to answer that question really succinctly is we don't have a freemium product, so we don't do much of that. So a lot of the stuff is just testing small things that if they break, they break, it's not that big a deal. Um, but the things like the data, the way the data looks, we have a cohort of people that we specifically have that are kind of our testers that don't necessarily care. I don't want to say they don't care, but they know they have like a direct line into us. Like if something does break, they let us know. And uh, so before we push that out to everyone else. And then the last question what should we be doing to get started with marketing? It's a company called Looking at Toys. Let me click on this. What should we be doing to get started with marketing? I think the biggest thing you need to be doing is know your customers, right? Um, looking at Toys, Supreme Movie Posters, Collectible Toys. About 24,900 followers on YouTube. Let me view their channel. Okay, so they do like reviews, they got toys, some cool stuff. Um, I mean, that's a really broad question. It seems like if you got 20, well, they've got 25,600 now. Update your website, number one. Um, interesting. Uh, I think it's a hard question. If I, I'd say go back to episode one through four. I think that's how I would tell you to start marketing. Um, just because like you have to know your ICP, like you have to. And if you don't know your ICP, then you're not going to be successful. And if you don't know the buyer journey, you're not going to be successful. So I, th let me actually answer this question because I feel like I'm copping out of this question. 
know, understand your buyer journey and walk it as if you were your customer. And then once you see the speed bumps in the road, fix those and then go to market with your best stuff, right? So this is a product, like it's toys um, from the looks of it. So I guess for me, where would I actually start marketing though? Like in that, it's a really hard question. I think the best thing that I would do, man, is like, you guys have a YouTube page. Um, I would put some money behind that. Maybe do some pre-roll ads, um, get on Facebook. Right. And I think you just do some product heavy marketing. So yeah, those are the questions I've got. I'm going to actually answer those in text tomorrow. Um, at 1230. If you guys have a question, um, either go to the link in the description and ask it or, um, or you can always DM me. Right. So I hope this was super helpful. Um, I'm like, like I really enjoyed this. So, um, I'm going to do like a Q and a, um, every month and we'll do that. Like, so this is how we'll do it. I'm, I'm talking to this and like, this is going to hold me accountable twice a week or twice a month. I'm going to have just me tell you literally what we're doing, give you the tactics, the templates, the scripts, the, the, the frameworks that we're using. Once a month, I'm going to have a guest where we will, every guest we will build a, um, a fictitious company. This is how our guests work here. We're going to build a fictitious company and we're going to, you know, for instance, I'll have Jason Vanna on next. We're going to build a content strategy for this fictitious company give you all of the stats, like everything that they need to do. Um, and then once a month, maybe the end of every month, we'll do a Q and a, um, I think that would be really fun. So, cause I really had a, I had a blast with this. So, um, I'm super pumped that you guys stuck around. Thank you for everyone that is a new subscriber. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much. Um, if you can, I would love a review and, and, um, a, uh, a five-star review, excuse me, five-star review. Don't tell people I yawn five times during the podcast. Um, and then, yeah, give me like a, Hey, five-star review. Ned is the best, really good hair. Even though I've never seen it, you can go on Ned's LinkedIn, see how amazing it is. Um, man, I'd love to, I'd love to have that man. And if you want to just talk, shoot me an email, um, a DM on LinkedIn. I'm super open. So, um, love you guys. Thank you so much. I can't wait for next week. Um, I'm really, really excited. I get excited for Wednesdays because I post, I, I actually record these Wednesday nights and then post them the next morning for you guys. So love you guys. Thank you so much for episode number eight of bootstrap growth. Dude, we're getting close to that double digit, bro. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. I love you guys. Thank you. Come back next week, even though I made dumb comments throughout this probably entire podcast. Awesome. Love you guys. Thank you so much. You are the best. Thank you, Bootstrap Growth Family. Bye.